Hello guys and welcome, welcome to, to Happy, Happy Single, Single Mums. Are you really just going to copy everything I'm saying? Yes! <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums, a podcast surrounding real single mummy life. So, here's your host, me, Khalifa. Um, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out to come in on Happy Single Mums. Thank you so much for having me here with you. Thank you so much. It's fine. I spoke to a lady, Vadi, a couple of weeks ago because she was an Indian single mum as well. And what she said was, yeah, what she said was so insightful about like life as a single mother in India. Like I'm a single mum in in the UK and it's hard here. But from what she said, it was just like amazing in regards to how she's managed to like break social social um stigmas and she's just achieving all she wants to achieve whilst having like the world against her and she's still raising her her daughter single-handedly so when i saw your um, instagram when you reached out to me i was like oh my god yes and you are a doctor (laughs) reina yes i'm a doctor yes yes what kind of doctor are you i'm an ophthalmologist i'm an eye surgeon oh nice yeah Yes. So have you found being a single mom and a doctor? How have you managed that? uh, It it is difficult uh, because as you know, this profession doesn't end with just one degree or two degrees. So I had my baby when I was doing my master's and that is my post-graduation and I was in my final year. So I had to, uh, I couldn't give my exam on the scheduled date. I had to postpone my exams so I could, you know, have a good, happy delivery and be with the baby for some time. So uh, I think I was able to leave her at four months and go back to my college to give my exam. I was able to do that because my mom was with her. My mom, my mom does an amazing job of taking care of her. My mom literally sees her as her own daughter, not a granddaughter. So I'm able to do this uh, profession. I'm able to work. I'm able to attend to my night duties and on calls only because of my mom. Oh, I would awesome. I would never take the credit. And you're in much, you're never. in India, aren't you? You're are you in? Yes, a, I'm in India. Oh, awesome! So, like, tell me about your single mother journey. Like, how did you become a single mother? Like, how? Yes. Uh, so I got married in 2015. I was only 25. It was an arranged marriage. And um, I was not really aware of anything as such as a toxic marriage or a toxic relationship or an abusive relationship. I was, a, you know, to me, abuse was only about, you know, all, all I knew was about physical abuse. Okay, I was not aware of anything else beyond that. So, well, I got, um, so I got married in 2015. And uh, even while the whole abuse and all of this, uh, you know, the domestic violence, the rage, all of that was going on. It was draining me out. But I always had my distractions. I always had my college to go to. I always had my friends in my, you know, in my, um, where I used to study, my college. So I always had an escape route. So I wasn't really focused on what was going on at home. I always had somewhere else to put my head into. I think the whole... um, the the violence and the rage kind of rage uh, the, the whole thing peaked when was when I got pregnant, and that was in 2016. Mm-hmm. So um, you know you name it, there was cheating, there was violence, there was all the I didn't know terms such as gaslighting and stuff like that. I only read upon it much 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 later. 
so the by when i was pregnant it was an unplanned pregnancy uh the abuse peaked to a point of negligence and silent treatments i would be left alone in that flat for hours together for for maybe a day or two together with no calls to check in on me or to find out you know if i've had any food or if i've had anything to drink or whether i'm alive or dead no nothing there was nothing so i i wouldn't call my pregnancy period a it it was not a very happy period it is not something that i like to go back to because i in my life i think that is the most hurtful period i've ever had and uh, so it's it's just as much as the marriage was a trauma my pregnancy the period of pregnancy was a trauma for me yes so what about your parents did they know how the like it's gone from yes. verbal abuse to physical uh, abuse uh so there was no physical abuse so as you know in kerala what happens is when you talk about emotional abuse and the your spouse not talking to you and giving you silent treatment and um, leaving you alone in the house people think you're just you know you're just being a cry baby like you can just it's it's not a big deal you know because in kerala these things are neglected these things are something that you just you just can't make a fuss about so i of course my parents were being informed of what was going on my parents were all together in a different state i'm in a different state you know i was doing my studies so of course they were being informed about it uh, but i think to them all of this all of these issues seem very very silly and um, and i think while you're in it you don't realize how much it's how much of an impact it has on you in your mind on your in your life and how much it consumes you you just don't realize it you're like caught up in this whole this chaos it's a chaotic cyclone you know you're just in it and you're just going with it and so during my pregnancy um you know being uh, told not to talk like you can't even voice your opinion uh because the next thing you probably hear from the other end is that you know uh, he might end up you know jumping off the balcony or you know he just end up committing suicide if you talk so you're just being shushed like all the time which is you just you don't have you can't say anything and if i and you know then it would reach to a point where he would just um, break everything in the house he would go to this endless violence of breaking the tables the chairs the tv so i was constantly in a state of fear mm. to a point where i had to finally keep quiet to everything he did you know whether it be texting other girls talking to other girls because after a point i realized my baby's movements were kind of getting different every time i stepped into the fear zone or every time i stepped into the anxiety zone my my baby's movements were different so for my baby alone i kept quiet through the whole thing i saw myself in a very 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 dark tunnel but i never saw it as the end of it i always knew there was the i always had some hope i don't know how that happened but there was a flicker of hope like it was like being in purgatory you know you're not in hell but you're in purgatory Yeah. I knew I was going to come out of it. Yeah. I just I just didn't know how how that was going to happen and I knew I needed a very solid reason very solid reason like this emotional abuse and the violence was not enough. I needed a very solid reason to walk out of it. So what what gave I, you the the courage then to actually leave leave your husband? well my baby happened and i was with my parents in my house and obviously the abuse would continue through the phone 
uh, and he never had an emotional connect with my baby either so i didn't really see there was i didn't see there was anything to hold on to you know there was no connection with the baby there was no looking out for the baby there was no and to me it was a whole another level um and when i tried to confide in his parents which was the last resort they were very supportive of his character they were um they had a very patriarchal notion about it saying that guys can do whatever they want to and we girls have to be submissive this was the kind of advice i got from his parents so again there my door my door closed and uh, i left it to god and uh, and there was one solution that i realized uh, that was there to overcome this was not to show my fear so i kind of realized so when i stepped out of that house and i came back to my place my delivery was when i started contemplating over the entire scenario and i realized there was a pattern you know it was not some one abuse to a different abuse or something unpredictable there was a pattern of it you know it was very predictable what was happening and i'm a doctor and i have friends in psychiatry field so i confided in them then i heard of the terms called gaslighting you know where if you call out on the person for something that they did wrong they somehow have the capability to turn the whole thing against you yeah and then you end up saying sorry you end up getting drained out so all of this was said and i started reading upon everything related to gaslighting and i finally came to a term called a narcissist a narcissistic personality disorder and oh my god everything i read it was it was just it was like right in front of my eyes but i knew this was not enough to walk out of the marriage you know i needed something really really solid so after my uh, confi- my confinement and after being with the baby for five four months i went back to you know to to the place where i you know i was supposed to give my exams my college okay and that is where he was you know he staying there so he was also um, working in a different college so we were staying in the same flat and over every issue i just became very quiet i wouldn't react i wouldn't respond i would just ignore and i would never show my fear like never to a point where it where it agitated him you know so much that he asked me to get out of the flat with the baby and i was no my baby was here with my mother yeah. he was here in this in the state at the kerala yeah. and this i had gone to mangalore so i i left and i left and i moved to a hostel in my college compound and and oh my god the first night i moved in there i realized i slept i slept like i've never slept in ages i slept and i realized okay this is it you know mm. this is it this is this is exactly what and i i i i was in the hostel for maybe four months yeah and i and i slept i was happy i was able to study i i got my whole life back together and i was looking after my baby you know i was in a different state but yeah. i was shuttling up and down every weekend you know to come back and because my mom was alone with the baby here yeah. so there was nobody here to you know buy the stuff that she needs like my mom can't go out leaving the baby at home so i would come every weekend and buy her Uh, her diapers and her formula feeds and everything yeah. and stock up and then go back to my uh, my place of study so 
when like you said that it was an arranged marriage yeah were you comfortable yes. with it being arranged or do you we, initially when your parents said okay fine because I know that with arranged marriages like they usually vet the person they usually check the family history uh, and yeah. everything like that did that take place before you got married or they just met a, a nice uh, I don't think there was a thorough homework done on his past or his um, family history but we both are from the same society so my parents wanted to believe that this was it this was good yeah. for me and i didn't have any other option and i thought okay this is what my parents chose for me so this should be good you know yeah. you kind of trust your parents um and uh, yes of course before marriage we had 6 months prior to marriage and uh, there were a lot of issues with a lot of lies and uh, miscommunications and lack of trust and but all of which my parents told me you know maybe she just ignore them he's going to change after marriage maybe once you guys start living in together oh, he's so going to change so you saw it was within the first 6 months then basically yes absolutely absolutely i saw it i did see it but i was not like i told you i was so naive and i i thought you know okay what my parents are saying must be right so maybe maybe i should go as per the advice i'm a very um my conscience is a little too much i must say i am so scared of doing the wrong thing it could be the right thing but constantly i have this yeah. this like you know like a flashlight telling me maybe it's wrong maybe it's wrong so okay my parents are choosing for me so maybe you know maybe he will change and i only i took it as a sign of immaturity and like i told you i never knew anything called a narcissist or gaslighting or manipulation yeah. and things like that and so yeah so i went about with it and uh, it was a very tough period and uh, in 2017 just about i like i told you i moved to the hostel he was still in the he was still living in the flat and we both are in mangalore which is in, it's it's a different state so he i eventually found out from a couple of friends and from a mutual friends that we have that he is with someone else so uh well uh i i definitely like i told you i prayed i prayed a lot to give me a very solid reason to work and this is something that you know will not hold in the society which is what i thought so i heard he is with someone else and he is living in with her in the and in I your flat so he in moved, our flat yes he moved her into your flat yes yes and i was in the hostel and one more thing i have to i have to make a mention the entire um so i was in the hostel for 3 months and he was in the flat and we were not really in contact but i had not called for divorce and i had not taken any legal step but he never never came down to see my baby wow and i was still yet to give my exams so i didn't have a job but he was working because he had cleared his exams but he did not even send like we call it rupee you know so he didn't he didn't send anything for me and you see you were you're trying to become a doctor no and you just had a you're trying to become a doctor you've just had his child and your child's yes. going to need stuff and he hasn't provided and then he moved another woman into your your yes. your house yes. can i ask a question do you know when you actually told him that you were pregnant how was his reaction was it positive oh that was a little classic because um he was uh, he, you know it was an unplanned pregnancy 
So my urine pregnancy test was a negative for 10 days. And I, I missed my periods, but my urine pregnancy test was negative. And he was very frustrated every time the test came, the result came out negative. And I didn't place it back. I didn't place it then. I thought he just wanted the baby. But he was really excited when finally the test came out, the result came out positive. He was excited. Oh. But I did, I told him that I'm not ready to have the baby because I'm giving, I'm in my final year. And you know, it becomes, see for us doctors, Indian, I, I don't know how it works out there, but you know, when you're in college and having to tell your professors that you can't do night duties or you can't go to some uh, rural camps, you know, which is, um, which is kind of a necessity in your curriculum. Uh, it, it, I don't know. It's it's a little embarrassing to tell your professors that you know they they look down on you like you know like you're weak like because you're pregnant. I mean, obviously people are going to ask like, weren't you thinking? I mean, you just have a couple of months to finish, so why didn't you be a little more? So this is the kind of outlook that they have on you. Professors are not very lenient with us. Wow. So I I I saw all of this and I told him and I knew I, I obviously wanted to be comfortable in my pregnancy and I don't want to go about doing on calls and night shifts and you know all those hectic duties. So I told him, see, I'm not ready for the pregnancy. So you know, so he said, well, if you want to, so so even before I had a talk with him, he had already called up his family and in, announced to the whole world that I'm pregnant. And then he told me, if you want to do abortion, please go ahead, but I will not support you. So this is one. Then he said he wanted to treat his pens uh, over dinner because, you know, the whole pregnancy thing. So I said, okay, we were having dinner. He was on alcohol, but very mildly, you know, it was not like he was not heavily drunk. But he told them um, something in Malayalam, if I translate it to English, it would sound like, uh, I screwed her over, you know, okay. like I knocked her up. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, so, so you've told him how you feel that you're not necessarily comfortable right now emotionally to actually have the child. And then he invites yes. people over for dinner and then he just set it up. Yes. Yes. He said, I knocked her up. So I realized, um, I, I knew, I knew that this was a big mistake, but I could not do anything about it. And yes, I went on with the pregnancy and, um, and I think his, he, he, because he's also a doctor, over one scan that he saw, he predicted, so they don't reveal the gender here in India. I'm, I'm not sure if you know, but they don't reveal the gender. Wow. But because we are doctors and sometimes, you know, we kind of know what we're seeing on the scan. Well, I didn't know, but he, he confirmed it's a boy and he told his family and everybody was just ecstatic that they're having a boy baby. So, um, so in the first month, I just had a, call it a maternal instinct. I thought it was going to be a girl. And I told him, no, I think it's a girl. But by the fifth month, he saw the scan and he said, it's a boy. I said, oh, it's a boy. Very good. And then he said, you happy about it? I said, yes, why not? He said, no, I thought you wanted a girl baby. I said, no, I'm fine with a boy baby. So there was, there was a lot of this, you know, toxic statements. Yeah. And I said, I'm fine with anything. You know, he's like, okay. Well, anyways, delivery happened and it ended up being a girl baby. Okay. So he wanted a son. <laughs> yes. So, and my baby happened to look exactly like him. 
So there was also another statement that he made after my baby was born, around when she was around three months of age. He said, I don't think she's going to get along well with you once she gets older. I said, why not? And then he said, because you look pretty, right? So I... No, so you I, don't, I, repeat that. You don't think he's, she's going to get what? She's going to get along well with you when she gets older. Why? Yeah, so I asked him, why would you say that? He said, because you look nice. And he just stopped at that. So I, I asked him, so you're trying to say she doesn't look nice. And he just shrugged his shoulders. Oh, my God. So he, yeah, and I realized, okay, so this was it. So, well, in 2017, yeah, so the baby happened. And I went back to Mangalore. Like I told you, we had a fight. I moved to hostel. I get to know he's sleeping with someone. And... Um, yeah, and I finished my exams and I called up his family and I said, I want a divorce. How did the family take care? Well, it was not just the family. It was also my, 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 my father, basically. Technically, it was my father. And the entire society, they were telling me, you don't have any evidence that he slept with someone. But what about the girl in the house? Is that not evidence? Yeah, well, they say you wouldn't see it. It's just a hearsay information. You just heard it from a bunch of people. So um, I stood my ground and I waited for a year and I prayed and prayed. I get the truth somehow. And eventually, well, it fell out of his mouth that he did it. Yeah. And what, what was the reaction when the family found out that you weren't, you weren't lying, that you weren't, you're not crazy, and he actually was the one that was yeah. toxic in yeah. the relationship? My, well, my parents then eventually stopped uh, criticizing me. At oh. least that was the end of it in my house. But his family still supported him. They said that these things are bound to happen. It could happen with any man. So, you know, you just have to adjust. So you had, they yeah. wanted you to stay with him even though he was cheating? Yeah, so they, they, his, family, his family was very supportive of his character, that him you know, being with other women was okay by them. Yeah, but are they, not, family, are they not thinking about your health? What about if he goes out, sleeps with someone and brings something back to you? What about emotionally? Did they not consider all of, all of those things? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. That, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, in um, Kerala, with a lot of patriarchal families, this is what happens. You know, they, whatever their son does, it's, it's okay by them. The girl is supposed to be submissive and adjust and just be, we're not, we're not exactly wife material in patriarchal families. We are more of a, a very loyal servant. Wow, loyal servant. So, Yes, we are supposed to be a loyal servant. We are supposed to tend to them, serve them, you know, uh, abide to all their fantasies and however, you know, cringy it might be. And we're supposed to give them everything they want while they go out and throw themselves at other women and throw themselves at everything around in the world. So this is how this, this, these things run in patriarchal families. Mm-hmm. So like... Because I've spoken to, I spoke to Vadi, another single mom in, in India, um, like I mentioned earlier, and she spoke about like the stigmas she faced as a single mom. So after you had your yes. beautiful daughter, and her daughter is beautiful, um, you. have you found that you've had any stigma towards you? I know you said that in regards to your profession, 
like when you were pregnant and people were saying that look you're straining to become a medical doctor how can you become pregnant right now but after you've had your child and you still being a doctor have you found that people think negatively towards you or people have reacted negatively towards you in being in that you're in India uh, here people are a little more broad-minded huh. and I don't keep a very wide social circle to actually listen to people's comments and taunts you know I have very selective set of friends who respect me for what I am and who genuinely who genuinely um, praise me for what I do so for, so even if the marriage ended on 2017, I have still, you know, we've just called for divorce. So we've been separated since 2017 up until now. Even the divorce has not been sanctioned because that's how the court system works in India. Everything just gets delayed and it takes forever. So through the last four years also, I have been facing a lot of harassment. Like I told you, after I called for the divorce then the society comes up saying, I don't have an evidence and, um, and then these people start fighting for custody of the child. And it is a lot of, lot of mental stress. It, it is, uh, it, I, I cannot even tell you how many nights I would have spent, you know, just crying myself to sleep or, you know, just waking up at four in the morning with severe anxiety attacks. Wow. So, so in the time that you have been like separated with him, has he been an active father or it's just completely... No. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, not at all. He has not been. He has not. No financial aid. And uh, the only time he has ever come uh, to see, he, he, he used to come on and off to see uh, my daughter. But that was more or less, I felt it was just to kind of, you know, irritate us because he would come uninformed. He oh. would just come and ring the doorbell. We'd open the door and he'd just sit there for two or three hours. He would come empty-handed. There was not a toffee. There was no toy. There was, there was, I, I don't need the financial aid. I'm not talking about money, but just a toy or at least a chocolate. There was nothing. Wow. He would just come and sit there. So one day I tried, so since he's coming uninformed, we didn't answer the door. That this one day that he came. And he stood at the door for two hours and rang the bell continuously to a point that my neighbors had to come out and tell him to please leave you know that there's nobody at home mm. and he didn't he just kept ringing the doorbell like for two hours at a stretch oh god so i realized it was just a uh, harassment yeah and at least then we got the court to you know to put a restraining order on him okay so we got that done that so we got good. that done so yeah. how have you, I know you mentioned it, that your, your mom helps you a lot. So you've managed to, how do you manage like work-life balance then and, and money and, you know, how, how do you manage it? So I stay with my parents. So the house, the food, it's taken care of by my mom and dad. So which is, uh, which is, which is definitely a blessing. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and Nia, my daughter, her name is Nia. So uh, well, she is being taken care of by my mom and my, my dad is there at home as well. And I have a little sister who is in high school right now. Yeah. So she and my baby get along really well. So I, uh, I'm really at ease when I'm working because I, you know, it's my family that my baby is with and she's yeah. she's in love with everyone in my family Thank so God. um coming to the money part yeah only her school fees and her admissions and her personal her clothes and you know her formula feeds and 
well, I pay for all of that. Okay. I just, I'm just exempted from the housing rent and maybe my yeah. lunch and dinners. That's it. But everything else for the baby, it's I take care of it. It's, it's, uh, it's a little expensive, but I think we're getting by okay. Yeah, yeah, we're fine so far. So, so I've got, I've got. Have you got to the place whereby you've um, had to like tackle difficult questions from your daughter? Because I know with me and my son, um, there was yeah. a particular time he said to me, oh, mommy, why is it that everyone has a daddy and I don't, you know? So have you, I know she's quite young now, but have you started break? Because the questions will come up soon, <laughs> you know? So uh, you yeah. yeah. I have not thought about it yet. She doesn't know who he is. So as of now, he has video call access to her which the court has given him only yeah. a video call access for like three days of the week. But the days that he doesn't call, she doesn't really ask for him. Okay. So I, I'm really hoping that, you know, hopefully like you, me, our kids are so small that by the time they reach to a certain point, the whole single parenting, you know, kind of gets normalized yes. that, you know, they don't have, they don't get questions such as they don't get questioned and you know, they don't ask us questions such as these, you yeah. know, I'm just hoping on it. But if ever she does, um, of course, I'm going to tell her who her father is. Of course, I'm not going to deny that. And yeah. I'm going to tell her this is your dad and this is his name and this is, he's a doctor. And, you know, we had a fallout, but like, I'm just, I don't know. I've, I'm probably going to tell her, not the, not the conflict part about our yeah. relationship. I don't think I should introduce that to her, at least not when she's so young yeah but um i'm hoping i'll be able to get through it i haven't really yeah. thought about the thing it, is i, I think did. one thing that has helped me is that and i thank god for it is that i have you know my brothers i have my my um granddad you know that they've just they're playing the roles that okay. his dad should be playing so there isn't i know that when he even when my, my son is happy you know so, and that's why I even called the podcast Happy Single Moms, because I feel like when people look at single moms, they think, oh, you should be sad, you should be depressed, you should be lonely. Exactly. And then when they see you and you're breaking the mold, and my son, sometimes they look at him and they're like, oh, wow, so you're actually a single mom, but he's he's doing really well, and he's this, and I'm like, is you know, my circumstance doesn't define the fact that my child will be happy or not, you know, like he's just a happy child. So from what you said that your mom is there, your dad is there, your sister's there. So yeah. you kind of put a safety net around her and alongside yourself yeah. and prayer. I cannot, I feel like every single mom should pray because we can't do oh, yes. this by ourselves, you know? So yeah. if you have already placed a safety net around your child by giving them that kind of yeah. support system, even when they do ask those difficult questions that like, why don't I have a dad? I say to my son, look, you do have a dad. Your dad's not in your life at the moment, but you are loved ultimately. And that's yeah. all a child really needs because I know people that are in families. And if you were still with your husband now, yeah, and yeah, oh, your yeah. child had to grow up in that kind of toxic relationship or yeah. your child's been used like as on, on a chess table against you, you know, in comparison yeah. to where you are at now, like you yes. wouldn't you wouldn't swap it for the world so they are going to be difficult questions from your daughter from society even from yourself you know like why did i yes. date this person or why did i even say yes to the to an arranged marriage or something yeah, like absolutely. that but just have to um you just have to fight 
life you have to fight yeah. in everything you, you have to do so would you consider dating again or would you ever do like an arranged marriage just again oh or, no, no definitely <laughs> not an arranged marriage no uh-huh. I definitely it's been um so I've been pretty much uh, alone since uh, 2017 so I do I do consider dating but not on uh, n- you know um uh, I'm very careful about it. I don't just throw myself out there. Because yeah. uh, as in the last, uh, since 2017, what I've realized is I deserve so much better. I'm capable of so much better. And I have such a huge potential. Yeah. Like I told you, I uh, everything I do for my daughter, I see, you know, I, I, I see that I can do this, you know. It's not yeah. that I need somebody to complete these tasks for me or to even complete me. But yes, there's this on and off period where I do feel the void. And uh, of course, I would, I would consider dating, but yeah. not just really throwing myself out there. I would feel really yeah. Definitely. Uh, specific about it. Yes. Yeah. So what because is I like think all of us deserve a companion? All of us do deserve. Yeah. But I do say to people that for me, I find that it's loneliness is seasonal. Like there's certain seasons whereby I would be lonely and I'd want someone. Yeah. And then there are other seasons whereby I feel like, oh, I don't need anybody. But it's just exactly it's seasonal. So I know that there's there's going to come a time where I just miss having someone, you know, like when you're in bed or when you want to watch a movie with somebody, yeah. you know. So it, it, But I know that I'm not going to die if I, if I haven't got anybody. <laughs> so I yeah, survive yeah, I will survive kind of thing but um if someone if someone does come I'm happy if it doesn't I'm still happy so that's the kind of the yes, balance exactly. that that we need to have exactly. as, as mothers as well um I was going to ask you um what's your hope for single mothers in India right now like what would you like to happen what would you like women to know like you've been through the arranged marriage you're a doctor you've got your child like yeah. if someone said to you right now look, this is what I'm facing in my marriage, the same thing that you've experienced, what would you say to her? I would ask her to take a step, walk out, because if it's not a happy marriage, it's not going to be a happy you, which is eventually going to result in a very unhappy child. If that is, if she, yeah. So we're talking about single mothers. Yeah. So I would definitely tell her to walk out and leave everything to God because I strongly, very strongly believe that you know the universe god the heavens are always going to you know favor us because we're single moms you know and we have nobody to fall back on and from my personal experience i can really really assure that that no matter what you know god is going to open every door that you need yeah it's going to be right there and at the right time so there's no point stressing about oh what's going to happen tomorrow like um after my exam when i called for the divorce my post-graduation results had not come out. I didn't even know if I passed or failed. And I just called for the divorce. I didn't think about what's going to happen with my result. In fact, for a, for, for, to, be, to be really honest, my exams are super tough. It was, it was really difficult, but I didn't think about what the results are going to be. Yeah. I just called for divorce. My results came, I passed. Yeah. Then there was a period when I didn't have a job. But we were just getting by okay because you know I'm staying with my parents and you know they would support. But it's it's very difficult to keep asking because we have needs. You know you want to give your baby like you see some cute clothes you want to buy them you yeah. want to buy toys and and um, again for the job I I was hunting and hunting and I prayed 
I prayed to God and I was at this, this point where I thought, did I, did I do the wrong thing? And that the very next minute, I can very, very honestly, the very next minute, I got a call saying, we have an opening. Can you please join us? So I got the job. So I got the job. Yes. And um, I'm telling this because I I hope this is an inspiration to all the single moms out there or whoever is going through an abusive relationship, you know, dependent on their spouses to, you know, take a step, to take a chance. Yeah. So I got a job and we were getting by okay. So now my my ex and his family refused to sign for my baby's birth certificate because they said, this was a statement, they said, we want to see how she enrolls her in school, you know, without the birth certificate. So you can't and enroll a child without um, the father's signature? No, we, and no, not without the father's signature. We need, we need the birth certificate. We need a yeah. legal document for the child. And if we need a legal document under the signature, we need the father's signature on it. We, can't, we don't get the birth certificate without the father's signature. Wow. So he refused to do that, but I got her into a school. I did. Yes. I got her into a play school at the age of three, and um, now I've got her. And and the play school, you know, it's only for you know pre-kindergarten and kindergarten. Yeah. So now she's almost turning four, and I've got her enrolled into one of the top international schools in our state. Oh, praise God! Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So and all of this is done, and the school has been amazing with me. They have told me they'll help me in any way, whatever I need, they'll do it for me. So I don't think you know. Uh, like you said, society, family, it's all these people that should matter at the end of the day, the ones who stand by you. So I don't really run out to find my social circle. Who yeah. comes to me and who is there in time of need is my social circle. Yeah. So yeah. I have just been taking every step, putting all that faith in God. Yeah. And it's been amazing. Of course, of course, I do have my I do have my down days and my low days where you know I just sink into depression. But like like, I think I wrote a, a post on Instagram. I, you know, I've learned to accept those days. And I know it's a phase and that I'm going to come out of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what you said is so, it's so encouraging. And um, the fact that she, you've managed to get her into a school, a very good school. She's going to go to secondary school. She's going to go to a wonderful college and a wonderful university. Because yes. you've already started paving the way. You know, and I yeah. feel like as single mothers, it's like every time a brick wall is placed in front of us, somehow we get a, a hammer and we ham it down and we bang, yeah, yeah. we bang it down and then we, there's another one and we bang it down and there's another one. And that is just how life it has been for me. It's yes. like how life has been for you. So I find that whenever any obstacle comes, I just, I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to have a little bit of stress, but I know that there's always a solution to it you know but yes, what you said is so, is so so encouraging and I'm so happy that you actually stepped out of it because I will be I if you were still in it now I don't think the smile that you're giving me right now is what you'd be giving me you know like you seem so happy so radiant so yeah accomplished, accomplished as yeah. well you are a doctor you know you can say to yes. your daughter you know when she's growing up that look I did all of this whilst I was pregnant, whilst I was in confusion. You still managed to achieve your goal in the midst of a fog. Let's just say your, your marriage was yes. a fog. You know, you were yes. in a fog and you still managed to, you know, achieve what you wanted to achieve, not knowing what you're going to touch next. And yet you managed to touch 
what you wanted your 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 destiny you know which is just yeah, absolutely a- amazing what is the most important thing that you would like women to know about the single mother journey is- uh that um about the journey yeah it, it is not easy you know when you walk out when you walk out of an abusive marriage or when you become a single mom you think you you probably think okay so the first thing is okay i'm going to do whatever it takes you know to keep this going but i don't think we should go with that notion we should just we, sh- we should just go with the notion that you know it's not going to be easy i may have days when i feel really bad or when i feel really down but you know and you know but it's going to be okay it's it's um i would like to tell them that that like i told you at the end of the day you're a mother and um you and you're a single mother you will never be left you know helpless or just left stranded anywhere mm. you will always have a light you know that's going to shine for you to reach out to you you i i think you will always have it and even if it doesn't come so soon you know as soon as you want it to come it will come it will yeah. come and um i just want to tell the single moms out there that it's going to take a lot of courage and a lot of strength to get through those you know those bad days and those hopeless days but when you come out of each when you come out of each bad day and each hopeless day or each depressing day you come out one step stronger than what you were the day prior to that you will come out one step bolder you will shine a little more brighter than what you were just a day prior to that you will always be one step ahead or maybe i definitely think you will be two steps ahead of what you were prior to the day that you you know you just you just had a downfall mm-hmm. so it's not easy but it is one step at a time and one day at a time i don't think any i would just like to tell single moms don't plan everything in advance or don't look like in the 5 years down the lane when my kids ask me what am i going to say or when 10 years down the lane when my kids ask what am i going to say and um i for a fact have accepted this you know if tomorrow my daughter says you know she needs to go back to her dad i've i meant i've mentally uh prepared myself for it one one point of one point one point of time and every time i thought about it it would kind of bring me down but now i stopped thinking about it mm. who knows who knows what's going to happen tomorrow yeah who knows who's going to be there tomorrow yeah life is so short so i would like to tell all the single moms just take it one day at a time one day don't time. think far ahead yeah and you know far ahead Dr. Raina, it's been so magnificent having you on the Happy Single Mom podcast. So I want to thank you so much for being so open and transparent. I want to thank you for sharing your story because I know that it's going to encourage so many women and even down to the last podcast I had with um the lady that I spoke to Vadi and the amount of people that have just reached out um to me that are even in India and um it's it's so encouraging and I just want to thank you for like doing it not only for yourself but for your daughter because strength yeah. strength is um what's the word it it's transferable you know and when she yes, sees yeah. your strength and what you've had to go through obviously she might not see it now you know because she's still a baby but when she sees your strength and what you have actually protected her from you've protected her from 
the toxic the toxic relationship but you've protected her from a mum that might not have been happy so you've given her the best version of yourself even if it means that that best version of herself might be a bit lonely that best version of herself might not know what's going to happen tomorrow but you still chose to give your child the best version of you and the best version of you is living in your truth and that is what you're doing so I just want to thank you. If she's not going to be able to thank you right now, but I'm thanking you on her behalf. So thank you, mummy. Thank you so much. Thank you, mummy, for choosing thank you. you. Thank yeah, and thank you for being thank prayerful. You so and yes, thank, that, you, thank, you, thank you. I so mean, much. It, it really helps. Yeah, it no. Really helps. And I would like to tell all those women who are in an abusive relationship, you know, like to not be scared because I think what drove me to walk out of that marriage was my desire to live and mm. my love for life. I love my life. I, I love it. I, I love to live every single day. I do. Yeah. And I'm not done living. So I, yeah, I'm not done living. So I, I kind of, I realized that in the last, you know, two years, in the last two years, actually, you know, ever since I, I've just been trying to, I've been trying to get stronger and bolder for my daughter. I've been trying to uh, get past my anxiety attacks and get past my post-traumatic stress disorders, all of it. And I've been doing it one day at a time. I, I realized that it is not easy. Healing is a very messy process, but I've been doing it like one day at a time. And, but I don't think anyone, anyone deserves to be in an abusive relationship, be it marriage, dating, professionally, anything. You don't deserve, you don't owe your uh, mind and soul to to anyone else it's, it's it's all in your hands and i think people have got to realize that you don't have to be in an abusive relationship it doesn't matter you're doing i, I think you know people have this um notion in india that the minute they call for divorce it's something religiously wrong or it's, it's a sin or it's a crime but i think people have to get past that notion because i think what is wrong is not living for yourself yeah not giving yourself the happiness that you deserve yeah Definitely. I, I believe it is, you know, being in an abusive relationship is submitting your, your soul to rape. You know, you're just killing your soul so slowly. Yeah. And I don't think anyone in anyone's soul deserves to go through that. Yeah, not at all. And you've come through at the other side. You're an example to many women that, look, I can survive. I'm not going to die if I yeah. leave a, a relationship, you know. Yeah, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out for coming on this podcast happy single mom and yeah you're such you're such a joy you're such a joy i I thank you so much thank you so much all right thank you for having me it's fine you can find me on instagram khalifa and josiah i would love to connect